Welcome to Fortress of Faith with Tom Wallace, calling North America to repentance and revival. Welcome back once again to the Corner of Truth and Courage. You're listening to Fortress of Faith. And today we're continuing on with our topic that we started yesterday. We're getting into the history of American democracy. Who are the real, true founders of the idea of American democracy? Yesterday, uh, we talked about a Puritan who came out of Connecticut, and uh, he pretty much uh, gave us this, this idea that it doesn't matter who votes. Uh, you don't have to be a Puritan, because that's what was going on in the colonies. As we talked about yesterday, if you missed it, you can always listen to our broadcast online at FortressOfFaith.com. And we're going to be adding soon to our website where you can actually get the transcript of our broadcast. We're going to be working on that here real soon and adding that as a feature to our website so that you know if you want to have the text of the things that we talk about on our program, uh, the quotes and so on there, you can get them there. It'll be just simply a transcript. It will come out is kind of like how I talk. <laughs> so it won't be, you know, if you want to rework that into something that you're going to print, you'll probably have to rework that a little bit. But that'll be available at FortressOfFaith.com, FortressOfFaith.com. Of course, you can also listen to us on Spotify uh, in your car, those of you who have that uh, account. We talked yesterday about uh, a Puritan who gave this idea, listen, you know, because there was a debate going on in that colony in Connecticut, and, you know, this is where, where we call him the founder of American democracy. And, uh, and, and, the, and the idea is that uh, in the colonies, you, you could only vote if you were of a certain religion. In Massachusetts, only Puritans were allowed to vote. In Connecticut, only Congregationalists were allowed to vote. In New York, only Dutch Reformed were allowed to vote on issues of governance. Uh, in Delaware, you had to be a Lutheran or Dutch Reformed to settle there. In Pennsylvania, you could only be a Quaker or a Lutheran to be allowed in. In New Jersey, Lutheran and Dutch Reformed. Virginia, where the colonies where the Anglicans were at. In Maryland, the Catholics. In North Carolina, the Anglicans, and also South Carolina. To be a a citizen of that colony, you had to abide by those religious denominational ties. But there, there came a change and an effort by Thomas Hooker, who we talked about yesterday up in Connecticut, that said, listen, no, you can be more than just a Puritan to vote. You could be a Congregationalist. You could be a Quaker. You could be whatever. It doesn't matter. Just as long as you hold to the essential face of Christianity, that um, uh, uh, Jesus is the Son of God, born of a virgin. He is God in the flesh, and and uh, the Bible is uh, is God's inerrant word. And and you know, just hold to basic Christian principles. That's uh, that was it. But the Baptist in Rhode Island took this a step further, as some historians have claimed. Baptists were the first. Plur, uh, first to really teach pluralism 
in the New World. And for years, if you study the history of Baptist, we simply look at the Bible in this way that God didn't make a particular denomination. He didn't make even Adam and Eve to be robots to have to obey him. He gave them free will. He also gave them the path of what was right and what was righteous and, uh, and, and choose that. But you're not made, obligated. You have your conscience to freely choose. And so we believe in religious liberty. It's one of the major tenets of Baptist. And some might say that we are the true non-denominationalist out there. And honestly, I would say that is very true, except that here in America, we have, in England, developed denominations out of the Baptist faith. And so they've taken it a step further than it was ever intended to. And that's why I call myself an independent Baptist. Now, I don't beat the Baptist drum often here on our radio broadcast of you listening to me for a long time, but it's perhaps helpful for you to understand that. And by the way, we are not Protestants. We were never part of the Protestant church. We were always outside. We were persecuted by the Protestants. We were persecuted by the Catholics as well uh, for holding our faith uh, in the Bible and uh, just being simply uh, believers in God's Word. Now, we didn't always have uh, the title of Baptist amongst us, but we always had our faith. Now, let's get to the framing of democracy in America. I want to read to you <clears throat> some historical documents. This comes from Calvin Coolidge, who was our 30th president. He was speaking on July the 4th of our 150th anniversary in 1926. And here, here's what he said. The principles which went into the Declaration of Independence, are found in the sermons of the early colonial clergy who were earnestly undertaking to instruct their congregations in the great mystery of how to live. And so what brought about the Declaration of Independence? It came largely from the pulpits of America. And he went on to say, this preaching preached in the neighborhood of Thomas Jefferson, who acknowledged that his best ideas of democracy had been secured at those church meetings. So there were some church meetings close to Thomas Jefferson that he began attending, and these meetings had great influence. His best ideas, Thomas Jefferson said, came from the preaching of those meetings. So what church meetings was he attending? Well, we find that from another historical document. This was de um, dated in 1826, actually on the July the 4th. It was printed. The editor was Christian Watchman from Boston, Massachusetts, and he published an account about Thomas Jefferson and the effect that the Baptist minister in his church had upon the writer of our Constitution. And it reads, Andrew Treble was the pastor of a small Baptist church, which held its monthly meetings at a, sh a short distance from Mr. Jefferson's house, eight or ten years before the American Revolution. Mr. Jefferson attended the meetings of the church for several months in succession. 
And after one of them, Jefferson asked Elder Treble to come uh, to go home and dine with him, in which he complied. Mr. Tremble asked Mr. Jefferson how he was pleased with their church government. Mr. Jefferson replied that it had struck him with great force and had interested him much that he considered it the only form of pure democracy that then existed in the New World. And he concluded that it would be the best plan of government for the American colonies. So get this. The principle of our government was first formed in the pulpits of America. The influence of this Baptist pastor, Pastor Treble, had influenced Thomas Jefferson so much that it struck him by force that he felt it was the best form of democracy in the new world. This idea, this notion of democracy had a tremendous effect. It was a ground from bottom up ideas. You govern people from the bottom, not from the top down. This is how the, the world had only known a top down type of government where a king was anointed of God to be the instrument of God's law and governance upon the people. And everybody did what he said. And, uh, and of course, this is how kings and queens ruled through for years and centuries. And, um, and now a new idea was being proposed. But this idea was not new. It was given by God to Israel. God never intended for Israel to be governed by a king. God only relented and permitted them to have a king, but he warned them, you know, this king's going to take your money, he's going to take your children, he's going to take your husbands, he's going to put them in wars, and they're going to die, they're going to, there's going to uh, be abuse if you decide to go with the way of the world and to do it the way the world is doing it. I have a better way for you, and that is to be governed by the people and allow me to be your God and to honor me and walk in my precepts and walk in my ways and follow my paths. And, and this was very clear. If you begin to study also what the founders had said, there's no way that we can write laws to govern uh, the heart of man. There must be something within him, a religious morality that they spoke of, meaning that there has to be God's righteousness within a man to help him behave. We can't make laws to make him behave. And if you take religion out of, you take God's word out of our government, our constitution cannot govern in any way. And that's what's happening. That's why we're having trouble and problems. The problem here today is that we are without God's instruction. There was a time that we were a God-fearing nation, and we had questions. Well, what should we do in this situation? Well, what does God have to say about this? And we follow God's way and God's righteousness. And that has blessed our nation abundantly. And that's why we have had great success, great wealth, great strength, because we have honored God. 
But I'm here to tell you, we have jettisoned it. We have kicked it aside. We have thrown God out of our uh, legislation. We've thrown God out of our courts. We've thrown God out of our schools. We're throwing God out of everything. And look at the nonsense and look at the, the chaos that we are dealing with today. In Romans chapter 1, it explains very well what happens when we do that. When we know God and we reject him and we throw him away, God gives us up. He gives us over to our foolishness, to a reprobate mind, and we are causing our own end. Well, that's going to be it for today. Join us again tomorrow at the corner of Truth and Courage. God bless you. I have an urgent and heartfelt request that we hope will touch your hearts. Underground churches are growing in Iran, and there are brave individuals who have chosen to follow their faith and become pastors, yet they have not had any formal training. These pastors, however, face tremendous challenges in pursuing their calling. I'm flying to Turkey to meet with other missionaries and to teach Bible doctrine to these pastors and to mentor them in biblical ministry. I get this for only $200, these Iranian pastors can travel by bus to neighboring Turkey. Our goal is to bring 30 pastors on this journey to equip them with the knowledge and skills they need to properly feed their flocks. Imagine the impact your donation can make. Your generosity can transform lives from one of the darkest corners of the world, Iran. Please open your hearts and give today. Your donation, whether big or small, can make an incredible difference. You can give today at our website, fortressoffaith.com. That's fortressoffaith.com. Or call us at 800-616-0082. Again, that's 800-616-0082. Thank you for your compassion, and thank you for making a real difference in the lives of these brave pastors.